just have to say that I'm really enjoying the fact that it's about 70 degrees outside because the end of Sunday's episode, I'm not going to lie, it, it left me a little bit chilly. It left me a little bit cold. You, know, cold. you, have, you have 70 degrees in New York? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is still lower 50s in Chicago. Welcome to Game of Owns, all of you Let me talk about the weather. We are a weather podcast. Pressure well, is high say, in the western hemisphere. <laughs> winter is, yes, it is. Winter is coming, for sure. And although I thought we were just kind of seeing the end of it. Isn't it cool that we finally got to name an episode, though, Winter is Coming? It felt so cool when that was happening. Yeah. Because it sort of feels that way. You know, at the end of this episode, I know all of you guys listening sort of felt the same way. Some of you are book readers. Some of you aren't. Uh, we all had different reactions, but either way, I think it's pretty clear that winter is coming. We should totally uh, start naming episodes after uh, house words now. Like, uh, we should have like a do not, we do not sew episode. <laughs> well, I just imagine you're not news, sewing. Look, Eric, we already put your uh, picture up on yes. our Game of Owns Facebook page. And many people Mike have commented <laughs> and enjoyed the fact that I'm sure... Uh, you enjoyed as well that uh, you were able to spend some time with Alfie Allen. Eric, today I was talking to Christian. We were planning some shit, and he expressly asked me to tell you that he is pissed off at you for not for not saying hi to him at the con. Oh, you know, it's funny because a certain somebody didn't return my Skype message to him. Mixed paths, cross paths, mixed messages. Uh, I will say my apologies to him in person <laughs> at the end of this month. At the well, end you of know, month. you're supposed to just say Hodor. <laughs> Right. What I told him, I cleared it up for you, Eric. I said, listen, Eric really, really likes Theon Greyjoy. So <laughs> he got it after that. <laughs> yes. Well, Christian uh, and and there managed to be a wonderful – which is what we're talking about, listeners, is uh, C2E2, the Chicago uh, Comic and Entertainment Expo, where Christian and Natalie Tena and Alfie Allen all were – this was last – Weekend. I'm so glad that we have these Friday episodes to talk about this because um, there's a recap up on Wick for the panel and kind of what happened when the three of them discussed season four and the events and all this other stuff. So that's great. Go check that out. Um, but as you, you know, if you've seen our, our Facebook recently or maybe one of the various uh, tweets and retweets that we gave throughout the week. I got a photo taken with Alfie, mm-hmm. and um, that was cool, and it was fun, Beautiful. and it's available in HD Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> over on our Facebook. So, hey, that's cool. It happened, right? Dreams really do come true, as one of the listeners quite tongue-in-cheekily uh, put it. So <laughs> I won't go into much detail except to say that we no, really <laughs> – Dreams come true was from Game of Owns, which was from me. <laughs> oh, Okay. That's good. So, so Micah quite <laughs> tongue in cheekily said that, but really, uh, I've been getting a lot of shit for it. And I'll just say, Hey, I met him and you didn't, but also because you, because you were questioning, um, sort of how much time I really spent with him. Honestly, it was, it was mere seconds. Um, I forgot that he was, br- uh, British, um, which you sometimes do when they they put on obviously a different accent or a different persona for their role on the show. But, I was really just walking in. It was the um, I had already missed the the autographing session because I arrived there late, um, so I didn't get to like actually speak with him at his booth or anything. But it was just kind of uh, we were herded in uh, to take uh, the photo, and uh, all he he just looked at me and he shook my hand, which is nice, and he said, "I might." It sounded just like that. <laughs> I might. So I was like, "Hey," and. 
then the photo happened. P.S. I love you. (laughs) And then I left. I wasn't, I wasn't able to, you know, sometimes before, I think it was, who was it? Nicholas Lay of X-Files. I was able to chat with him. I was like, Hey man, I like your work. Yeah, it's great. Not this time. There were just too many people. And I also tweeted a photo of the line for Alfie Allen because they had obviously different photo options. You could get a photo with Christian, a big line for that. You could get a line with uh, a photo with uh, Nat Tenna or the group, actually all three of them. And I think just from my preliminary, like looking for it and the fact that I was in the Alfie line, the Alfie line was probably the largest. And I was shocked. And I said this to the people in the line with me. I was like, man, Alfie has a lot more, like of a a following of a prestige here than I totally expected. So a lot of people got their photos with uh with Alfie and that of course made, you know, less time for each of us to speak with him, but I'm overall very happy with the way the photo turned out and as I said you can see it on the website. <laughs> it looks like a uh a- elementary school photo that you take with the with the backdrop that's there yeah. It's, yeah. so like Glamour you guys shots. are brothers and you're like you're posing for your you know your parents put the little twenty dollars into the envelope check the box that said they mm-hmm. wanted the portrait with the blue soft touch option yes. <laughs> that's exactly and the money's in the envelope with the check marks on it uh you're, you're right you know i was just surprised to find somebody that i'm taller than uh, on the on the Game of Thrones cast, and and that's you can tell Christian Zach. Tell him that, that's, that's why. I already I made up a great excuse for you. Come on. I was intimidated. Oh yeah, yeah. You're, I'm sure what you said was fine. He just really likes Theon. Uh, okay, that works. He was but, like, uh, "Tell him I'm yeah, mad," well, and I'm like, "You're not mad." He's like, "I'm not mad." <laughs> <laughs> I will say, man, Christian's shirt. That is all I need to say. You can look at it in the recap. It is a beautifully fluorescent, uh, or shall I say, neon yellow and blue and no fucks were given at all with the camera man he just i hope he wears something as crazy uh when we see him next uh next month i guess it's this month wow yeah i mean that that's a crazy um as thing to, to, to even think about but yeah. um why Should not mention at this point yeah i yeah. mean it's it's less than a month away we're in the month of may now we're nothing less than five stars. Oh, that's sorry. It's the wrong part of the show. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. Continue, the please. The show in the front. It's, you know, it's automatic. It's automatic. I just – I can't control it sometimes. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we're going to be at Indie PopCon, right, coming up uh, the yeah. weekend after Memorial Day weekend. So it's coming up at the end of the month, uh, the 30th of May through June 1st. So we actually transcend two months in one con. It's pretty, pretty mind-blowing. And uh, I know we've mentioned it on the show before, but – uh, we're going to be doing a live show there, and it's our first one uh, ever. Ever, uh, I mean, we've done actually. In we, person. All of us have individually done live shows before um, for other respective projects, but this is the first time we're doing this all together live. Yeah. Game of Owns, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I believe we're we're going to have a few special guests on the show. We will um, at the con. Very so exciting. You can you can check out the website and deduce it for yourself. Uh, who's going to be Who's going to be joining us? Uh, but uh, we look forward to it, and we look forward to you know some of the listeners that are in the area that are able to come by and and to uh, you know see the show and and to talk with us. You know, we always like just say eating. party, Micah. Just we love to it. party, but we <laughs> but uh, we love to meet Hang the out listeners of the show listen. in person yeah. and get the opportunity to talk one on one. It's it's a great experience, you know, as we've all. Uh, experience before uh, with other podcasts that we've done. 
uh, it's it's something cool and unique, and it we it, it doesn't always happen. Let's face it. I mean, you know, we sit in our own respective parts of the country uh, and talk to each other, but very it's very rare. It's kind of sad in a way, but it's very rare we get the opportunity to come come together and do this and have you know people who are just as much a part of the show as we are, you know, through the yeah. different ways that they interact with us. And there's so m- many cool things planned for the weekend there in Indianapolis. Seems like kind of a, a strange place when you really think about it. But actually, you know, the fact that they've never had something like this happen there before means it's going to be that exciting. And they've they've really done a good job to to push the con to like the next level. And it's it's we're really excited. We've only got a handful of days left if you if you think about it honestly. And so much cool stuff is planned. We'll definitely have more laid out general official announcements about what we're doing exactly as the days draw closer because it's still a little hectic because people are coming, people are going. We're also planning on which days we'll be there. I know we'll be there before the con and probably a little bit after. So it's just, it's a lot to balance. Yeah. Oh, now I can breathe. Yeah, you can You can relax. Uh, it's all out there in the open. Uh-huh. Now Now we're able to, uh, to move forward with the show. But I thought a good way to do this was uh, I, I did put out a tweet. It must have been Sunday night saying, who knew it was so easy to make a white walker? Uh, and then I got this great tweet back from baby white walker, who in a very <laughs> short period of time was wow. able to create their own Twitter account. And he Bless said, people. easy for you, maybe. I just froze and reanimated within seconds. <laughs> He's like, that hurt a lot. I mean, that just speaks to the overall creativity of you know, a lot of the fans of the show out there. We see them making these parody accounts. We hear from King Joffrey uh, from time to time, though he has not spoken to us as much uh, recently. I can't imagine why. But uh, yeah, I mean, these are great ways for us to hear from you and hear what you have to say. And who knew? Baby White Walker, um, now on Twitter. Yeah. Go follow him. I'm not yeah. sure what he said. I'm besides definitely going to follow him right now. That one <laughs> tweet. Something to, something about that tells me that uh, we'll be hearing from him again soon. Yes, he needs followers. He only has forty six. So, uh, oh, oh no, sorry, one hundred and seventy eight. I apologize. But does he have the photo? Did he use our photo for the photo? Because Zach got that really awesome, timely uh, baby photo out of the episode. Oh, I got time. all the baby photos, man. Come you on, all of <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I got all the White Walker baby photos. Uh, I'm the guy who runs the studio. You know, that's where Eric got his pictures as well. Yes, I don't know what I'm yes, talking yes. about. I'm sorry. No, we're just no, going no. through all these these social updates from you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking about uh, obviously the baby, the the up north stuff, and there was a bit. Another good reason that we have these Friday episodes is to talk more about stuff that uh, really we skipped on Monday, but just to talk more in depth with some of the stuff that just falls under the normal under the under the 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 blanket under the table you know that sort of thing so uh with no without any further ado uh we did get an own on facebook uh, that i wanted to mention here from andrew martin and it's much in the line with the other owns we got about the showrunners getting the own for owning the unsullies but he says showrunners own the common criticism that the bran and white walkers storylines are slow and underdeveloped, and they do this by injecting some life into both. And I thought that was a good starting off point here because we do want to talk a little bit about Bran. Um, and I know there was an interview in the middle of the week uh, talking about Jojen Reed with that actor, and he kind of clarified a little bit about specifically what's happening uh, to Jojen in that he has the seizure condition we didn't know about. Um, really just to talk about Rast and all that stuff that, uh, 
We we I think we could afford a little bit more time on uh on what those, I can't uh, I can't afford anything. <laughs> what did you moving call, on? What did you, what did you call them? Uh, you call them uh, in, uh not visioneers of uh, mutineers. mutineers. Yeah, mutineers. yeah, the mutineers. Yeah. Is Yard. that what they're called in the book? Well, uh, well, they're called that in the show. Well, yeah, they're called they're that in the, the show. Uh, again, this doesn't take place in the book. So to talk about Jojen for a second, I think I think that's important. The interview that um, was posted on Winter's Coming with him. I, I like those interviews that we, we get a lot of insight into the characters because you know they're able to sit down and, and talk with these actors for you know a good 10 minutes. And there was a one the previous week with Rory McCann who plays the Hound and we learned that we're really going to get to see more into what makes him tick and uh, hear him really recount the story of his brother and, and some things uh, about him growing up. And But to focus on Jojen, uh, because it ties so much into Bran's storyline, I liked how he presented the fact that you're not really sure what to make of Jojen as a character early on, right? They They sort of come out of the mist, him and Mira, Mm-hmm. And are they good characters? Are they, you know, working on their own agenda? Do they really care about Bran? And I think, as he mentioned, you know, you get into season four and you begin to trust the reads. Uh, you can see that they genuinely care about Bran and whatever his ultimate uh, mission is in this game. And, it is a game uh, at the end of the day, not just because that's what the show is called, but you know, it's they they have a greater sense of purpose. At least Jojen does uh, for what Bran is on this journey for. You know, the, the viewers don't necessarily know, the readers don't necessarily know, but somewhere deep down inside, Jojen knows what Bran's ultimate endgame is, and at least that's the sense I got from watching that interview. Right. He he points out too that. Osha is not one to trust them from the very beginning, and she thinks that there's just something off about them, whether it's due to this green sight that he has, or it's just Osha's life experience. She spent a lot of time beyond the wall, and she's seen things, and she doesn't want to put Bran in a position that he could potentially die. And I think that uh, you know, Jojen comes from a place where it's much different than King's Landing and he says as much and you know, it, it's not all about ju- you know juggling for power or doing what's you know going to get you on the Iron Throne. I think Jojen sees the greater purpose for Bran, whatever that might be, and that's really what his mission is in all of this, you know, to help Bran get there. Well, as it pertains to the episode now, though, we've seen where uh, you know, Jojen's sort of evolved issue now, his seizure condition has directly negatively affected Bran's quest. Um, Bran had to give away his identity in order to save the reeds. So they've become kind of unexpectedly a, a liability all of a sudden. Um, and they're actually now they, they owe Bran one for this because it's, it obviously their plan of their oath of silence kind of backfired on them. Yeah, and his condition is important because I think it it somewhat mirrors what they were telling him about warging for too long of a period of time into summer, right? He in in that sense he becomes summer and he becomes less of Bran. And the reality though for Jojen is I'm not sure that he can control what's happening to him. Bran on the other hand can certainly control his ability to warg. Um, Jojen hmm. is, is more, you know, these are visions that are coming to him 
and it's starting to take a real physical as well as mental toll on him. And we see that in, he looks very sickly in, in this last episode. He, and he's sweating a lot despite how cold it is. And then he does at Craster's Keep end up having that, that seizure. So you almost wonder if this is beginning to kill him and yeah. what's and will it affect to... Bran in the same way? Yeah, exactly. You know, Jojen, you know, when he first shows up and, and we see him show up in the books too, a lot earlier on, he's, he's having these visions, but we also don't know as, as at least on the TV show, what he's seeing, you know, mm-hmm. every, everything is just really focused more so on Bran and his dreams. And we don't necessarily get that insight into Jojen, you know, these powerful visions that he's having. What is he seeing? I think really the only you know few words in the books uh, about what he is seeing come from Jojen telling Bran, we saw your, your father murdered. I think it's what it is. And then he was able to convince uh, – Jojen was able to convince his own father to let Jojen and, and, and Mira you know, really go up and, and go on their quest to find him and I guess point him towards his destiny. Um, so I, I think there's plenty though that we could, you know, and have yet to learn about the swamp people. They occupy a very, um, strategically important swamp thing piece of <laughs> geography. Yeah. I was thinking yes. about the swamp thing. I was thinking about, uh, when you were talking about his green set, I was like, yeah, he's a uh, force sensitive and it takes its toll. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of all sorts of terms for it, but it is like something different from what Bran can do because Bran can warg. Jojen can't warg, but he does see these, these images of past and present. And maybe the human mind just isn't supposed to deal with that usually. So yeah, it could be why he's uh, feeling under the weather. It's, it's clear that they're connected. I think at first we were really impressed with all that Jojen is, but once we learned about how much Bran has the power over this kind of thing, it explains why someone like Jojen and Mira are the kind of people that are following Bran to a place like this. I think that was the big question from Carl, the asshole. He was just like, I don't get it. You are here with this guy. It's like a band of misfits, basically. and In a dangerous place, though. I mean, think about absolutely. all the places they could be in the story. Craster's Keep with yeah. the mutineers. That's where they show up. <laughs> in the middle of – and we know that people from both sides are trying to get there. Yeah, and the White Walkers are doing their thing. Yeah, it's a heck of a predicament. Like knowing from Monday's discussion that none of this happened in the books – you really just – and you have to question sort of even more than you normally do, like what's going to happen. But like really like it's just going to be even more explosive than it was in the books, I think, whatever happens here, whatever's about to happen here. Um, because so many characters we care about are positioned in in where shit's going to – about to go down. Yeah. Yeah, th- there was a, a kind of interesting point here too from uh, Valerian Walker on Wicknet uh, who wanted us to talk a little bit more about the creepy gift for the gods chanting. Um, that the ladies were doing, which I, I think they're just conditioned by Craster to, to say this, the gift for the gods, which is kind of a way of controlling them and a kind of a way of distracting them from the fact that they're, of what's actually happening with them giving up their children. It's, <laughs> it's because it's an offering to the gods. No, that's, and we, that's, you know, that's a very practical way to look at it, honestly. Like at the very bottom of it, that's probably what is actually happening if the supernatural stuff isn't real. You know what I mean? Like it's it's his way to sort of control them. But as we see at the end of the episode, I don't know if it was gods. They didn't look very godly to me, but they definitely looked a little strange. We could say that. They're close to – I mean they have magic. Let's say that that was magic. Yeah. I just wanted to uh, to raise the point though. The woman who walks in with the child – 
and um, I'm drawing a blank again on on the guy's name. That was Carl. Carl or t- yeah. Tanner. I Carl Tanner was his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Carl. Uh, Everywhere you look, asks, "Hey, you know, what is this?" And and she says, "This is this is the last of Craster's sons." And I just thought, well, hold on, no, it isn't because. Gilly still has a son down south of the wall. I mean, last, like, in chronologically, <laughs> he came last. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, they are all brothers and sisters, I guess, we're guessing. We guessed if those 50, those uh, 13 people were all, like, Craster's sons from, like, 20 years ago. Um, and it's possible. But there, that reminds me of that webcomic that Wignett posted about, uh, because they're all inbred, that these children wouldn't make good warriors. Did you guys see this post? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but really like what it is, I think is, it's for effect and they don't know what Gilly's child, you know, named Sam, uh, has been up to. Maybe he's dead, but there is the child that has to be sacrificed. And so there's still sort of old business that needs to be tended to. And I think related, all it is is a character moment for the, the, the mutineers to see if they're going to, in fact, pay tribute to these white walkers, because in a way that dictates whether or not they survive. Right. I mean that, that one white walker could have killed them all if they didn't give up the baby. It's so strange when you look at it, sort of you zoom out and, and, and just say, okay, we realize that this game of Thrones episode was vastly different. Can we agree with that? than mm-hmm. than what we usually see from the show. Yeah. And once we, once we make it to the part where, Carl is drinking from the skull of Jor Mormont. It just, I feel like from there, it, it just really became a very unique episode. And I liked it. I thought it was very welcome because not every episode has to be so commercial. And so, right. you know, yada, yada, yada. It's just, it, it felt, it felt nice because we're at that point in the season where so much has happened. I mean, we had Joffrey die in the second episode, you know, it's, it's been a, a very busy season to say the least. And, a post on our Facebook wall from Andrew Martin pretty much sums it up. He says, showrunners own the common criticism that the Bran and White Walker storylines are slow and underdeveloped by injecting some life into both. And I completely agree with that. I think that they did a great thing by bringing that up and forcing some of the casuals to remember all of this. That is the overarching plot of the story. Yeah. Uh, oh, very much so. And this stuff up north, as you say, it's it's very potent and it really makes us question a lot of what's going to happen and, and just drinking out of the skull of Gior is very effective because we liked that guy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, hey, absolutely. He still owed me money. <laughs> There's 10 bucks I'll never see again. It just feels strange though, because I, I feel like look what Bran is going through. Look what Hodor is going through. Look what their wolves are going through. And then you cut to things like, you know, Tyrion has been put in jail because he's getting accused of killing Joffrey. Like, I realized there was a death there. And there's a lot of dramatic things happening. But Sansa's in a boat with Littlefinger who wants to have sex with her. Okay. And that's <laughs> terrible. But the guys north of the wall at Craster's Keep are facing some serious danger. Some death away from your friends and family and in the blistering cold around people that are just... It's just uh, just terribly, you know, raw that entire scene of just how they were handling the women. You know, they were just saying, "What were they saying? Fuck them until they're dead." Yeah, that was that was intense. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a dangerous, dangerous place that they're in right now, and I don't know if we've had even enough days between now and then to let it really sink in because I, I just it was intense. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And, and certain lines like um, "too many mouths to feed" is what uh, you know Tanner, whoever he is, Carl says to get them to. You know, to motivate them to confess because he's going to kill them because they're just too many mouths to feed. It just shows like how dire the situation is to survive up there, how difficult it is 
for them to survive, they're they're doing head counts and reassessing who they want to kill. You know, as a result of it, it's it's all just very it's thrown in there for to make real this huge issue that they all have, which is that it's it's hostile territory. Oh yeah, and it's it's so dangerous. I think the the writing though um, was really well done, and and the creation of the scene really worked. I mean, even for for me who never saw this coming, and you know, obviously didn't read it in the books, but. I like the way that they they somewhat altered the storyline. They said, "Look, you have this band of of the Night's Watch that are still up at Craster's Keep that are a clear threat, as much as the Wildlings are, to our safety. Because if Mance Raider and the army that he has get to the Wildlings, or sorry, get to the these members of the Night's Watch, the, these mutineers, before." The White Walkers do because let's face it, I mean the White Walkers aren't going to try to elicit information from them. They're just going to no. kill them, um, you know. Or before they all die out, you know, chance are Mance is going to get to them before that. So they could be extremely susceptible. I mean, they could even join up. You know, who's to say the Wildlings are going to to kill these mutants? Right. They they might get them to join their side because they like fallen it, crows. Yeah, they're they're. These mutineers right now are they're free much folk. wildlings. They're they're way they're ninety percent wildlings. <laughs> Liberty for all, except exactly. who we can overpower. And that's that, to me that scene was just such a. a it, it just felt almost so. Like I said, it it, just, it felt so different to what I'm I'm used to seeing with the show. But it was it was nice. It was refreshing getting that depth of character. And I know Eric, you talked a lot about it on Monday's episode. But the depth of character to even people that we don't see very often. This mm-hmm. this foolish, violent ringleader and his drunken stupor challenging people to fights, t- telling him that in King's Landing he could fight any night. It, it was a very I vivid really picture that was that. painted of this scene. I oh, think he was not. just drunk. Yeah, he was drunk, and, and Rasp was like, I could never beat you. I wouldn't stand a chance. You know, this is just like total, total, ugh, tot, ugh. I'm not even going to say it. It's anarchy. Yeah. But do, you, do, you, do you agree with what I'm saying, though, as – the whole thing, the whole way that it was written and the way that it was acted out, it was believable. You could literally oh, yeah. believe that this was part of the story. You have these yeah. jackasses up in Craster's Keep who are no better mm-hmm. than Craster, who are drinking out of Old Bear's skull, which is such a sign of, of disrespect. You know, then you have Bran who's heading north and gets caught into, you know, well, Summer gets caught in the trap and then Bran gets caught after the fact and mm-hmm. now you have John who's going north who's looking to deal with the mutineers and he's probably going to come across his his brother at some point. I'm glad you mentioned Summer because there is an own for Ghost uh, and this comes from Jack McGraw again talking about Rast though give the own to Ghost for almost making Rast crap his pants <laughs> Oh when he jumped up on the cage and like Yeah when he jumped him. and it just mm-hmm. fell down uh huh yeah the, the white, that white walkers or sorry that direwolf's going to get so much revenge Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. You just you to me. You just take such a risk when you do something like this of it not fitting, and it fit. And so I just tip my cap. It shows that they know the material really well, and they feel comfortable enough to do something this massive with the plot. Um, it's very. It's a good position to be in because, again, as a book reader, you're just not feeling so bored with it. You know, as as you normally would, knowing what's. And I'm, I'm sure it's got to be boring in one way of just knowing 
everything that's going to happen, you know, because essentially the show then becomes less entertainment. It just becomes, oh, so you get to view the adaptation. You just want to, yeah, you just want to see it happen. And yeah, and that's what, really the only thing you have to look forward to is them doing what you've already seen. Exactly. So scenes like this have got to just keep it interesting. And the own that you just read also, we now know where Ghost is. John has been wondering for a long time. And that sounded like ghost. Uh, yes, it did. I was just <laughs> thinking that. It's a creepy, creaky door. Uh, it's, uh, it's haunted. However, I would like to, even though it's not related to this particular scene at Craster's, like to read the, uh, second half of Jack's own because I, sh- I think I, sh- this is what I shared with both of you, or maybe it was just Zach after we recorded on Sunday. And he says, honorable mention might go to Grey Worm for busting a little move on Misande. What's high Valyrian for? How do you like your pancakes in the morning? <laughs> oh, Jack, you slay Too me. bad, Grey Worm can't do anything about that. Oh, not yet. Not hey, yet. you know, there's more than just there's magic. Let's move on to some uh, some praise here for the host who is not with us at the moment, uh, Kate is elsewhere uh just at this moment she's on sure vacation she'll, she'll be no, back with us she's working on video games yeah. that's what she said she goes tell everybody i'm working on video games i was like all right yeah, she's at work on vid- yeah work late night on, at work all right on video- working on video game yeah uh-huh. yeah i'll never get over her her choice of profession it's awesome i'm jealous <laughs> um stephanie petch says that meow was the best thing ever well done <laughs> Good. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners responded very positively to that. We can say we like it now because she's not here, so it's not like <laughs> it's not funny to bust her chops. We can just praise her. Like it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. very, very good. Um, some more owns for the writers. Uh, while we're at this, uh, I'll just well, hell, there's a few of them right here. Angie Rank says the showrunners have owned all of us book readers. I'm so confused right now, and I have no idea where some of these storylines are headed. I don't even really know how I feel about all of this. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Lol. Uh, Maria Pollock says the own goes to the writers for surprising the book readers with the twist in storylines. And Piola Elena Garasp says confusion and misorientation own me and the book readers. What happened there? It keeps going. Are you going to stop there? Because it keeps oh, going. Oh, <laughs> I was going to, but why Just not? Just do the last one. <laughs> okay. Shelby Lynn Walker uh, that ending owned everything. I don't know what to do with myself. George R. R. Martin has been holding out on us. Ah, what do you think, Micah? Being the book reader, I don't. I don't know if he's been holding out on us. I, I think that you know, in one case with Brand's story, you had just a real s- sense of creativity developed on the part of the writers, right? And they went with it, and it worked. Yeah, you know, and and. I think on the other hand with the White Walkers, somebody pointed this out on Monday's episode. We knew more or less that this is what happened. It was just the ability to see it. And, you know, that's the impact that as a reader you enjoy so much. And, you know, you don't read from the perspective of a White Walker. uh, And so to see it on TV – this is what happens to all the sons that Craster has gotten rid of. It was it was really cool, and it, and I think it hit home for a lot of people. And I don't know that it's spoilerish, though. You know, <sighs> I don't think maybe, so either. Unless like you thought they ate the babies, as opposed to <laughs> you know made them into their own little. Well, army. as you said, I think you said this pretty well on Monday. You were just like, well, we we always figured they were turning them somehow. 
So the yeah. fact that they showed it is something that obviously you couldn't do in the book without a perspective from a White Walker you don't really see specifically. It answered a specific question, but the gist and the general stuff was all that you really needed, and that was what was provided in the books. And I still stand by it. I think that even though, honestly, if you really, really, really think about it, you're not getting revealed that much. We always assume, and I'll say it again, we always assume that something was happening with this baby that's being left out in the woods. We didn't just think that all of that work was done so the White Walker could come and eat it or or, right. or, or, or stab it. I mean, maybe, maybe it wanted to eat it, fine. But at least now we know that he's not eating it and they're doing something useful with it. Does it tell us more about the White Walkers? It gives us a few vague shots of them, of, of, of things that we can draw conclusions from for the next handful of weeks because it'll probably remain a mystery maybe until – the end of the season, maybe until next season. I I don't know. I, the right. thing is, I can't even pretend to know what I'm saying. I don't feel confident in talking about the White Walkers uh, at length because I don't understand exactly who or what they're supposed to be or what they're doing. I know that we have lots of clues and hints, and that's great. But to say for sure after what we've just seen, I don't know. Yeah, I, I love that there was an altar. I love the Ice Henge, which there's a nice behind-the-scenes um sort of creating of the ice henge thing on Wicknet, which is really awesome. I like that it's an altar because it shows that even these guys have either higher deities or as I mentioned on Monday, like a hierarchy, like Captain uh, Snowflake or whatever he called him, um, you know, is like the highest guy that we've seen so far. He's got icicles going out of his head. I like this. It answers almost no question or it almost, yeah, it answers no questions. It raises more uh, basically than it, than it, then it solves, but still it's just something cool that they could throw in. So they did. Mm -hmm. And I like the, I yeah. like that attitude where Me they're too. like, Hey, we can answer this, uh, non mystery mystery right now. Why don't we do that? It also deserves to be brought up that this episode reached 6.9 million viewers for the original showing, making wow. it the largest viewed game of Thrones episode, like on first night, you know, showing ever. And people don't the biggest know that so going in. Nobody knew that going in. Oh, yeah, right? no. they had They had just seen, you know, the recent episodes, which are all very good. But this episode, man, they did not know what they were getting. Really, no. I mean, the, the cliffhanger on, on uh, Breaker of Chains was the barrels and the collars. And that was addressed in the beginning of this episode, which I felt like was a nice credit. It's not something that people had to work for. We got to see the stuff with Danny and the Targaryen flag and the way she handled the slavers. We got to see that immediately. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and I think people did uh, agree with you sending in their owns for that as well. I know that uh, Pamela – I wanted to say carry-on, but it's not. It's it's foreign. Um, Pamela Corrin says, Danny owns Marine. Uh, must have been a dragon that draped her sigil over the harpy statue. So that's uh, – it looks like the dragon must have had something to do with – It was with... Sir Jorah. They just put him up to work. Yeah. <laughs> that's what everyone is saying online. They're like, he there's so many theories. shoulders. Oh, gosh. Like he's knitting in his free time I've read, people are saying. So you never know. I don't know. <laughs> Only George and everyone else that knows knows. Um, yeah. You have to look back on this episode though and and just realize the scope of it. You know, you guys were just talking about how it opened up and, and we left off episode three with – the breaking of the chains being flung at the wall, and then you immediately have the liberation of all these slaves and the liberation of Marine. You got the huge reveal of who's responsible for killing mm -hmm. Joffrey, you know, probably yeah. a lot sooner than anybody expected. You had Bran being captured. Uh, you have the White Walker ending. Uh, there was a lot that happened uh, in this particular episode. Uh, you know, the, the whole conversation between. Tyrion and and Jamie and 
you know, them kind of trying to figure out what's going to happen. But it's just, there was a lot of information in this yeah. episode and it's just, I look at what, um, Cody Gordon said, you know, the white walkers owned the episode as did the queen of thorns story about her marriage, which was, <laughs> I think Kate did a great job describing it. I'm not going to attempt to, uh, uh-huh. re- you know, try to replicate that. <laughs> It'll be okay. Everyone uh, understands. And Marjorie's realization that her grandmother killed Joffrey. That was uh, huge. Do, do we think that she knows she figured it out based on yeah. her statements? She'd be silly not to at this moment, but yeah, I mean, both little finger and, uh, Olena Tyrell confessed to having a part in it. And really the only thing you can hate about it is that they did involve Sansa in their plan by giving her the necklace to hold. I mean, she's sort of unsuspecting, but she is implicated there and could face a penalty. Let's say they were even fair. She was an unwitting accomplice, but she was an accomplice. And that makes me a little uncomfortable that they did that to Sansa. Um, because Olena is supposed to be looking out for her. And so is, uh, Peter, for that matter. He is, know, though. She's in the ship. He, he loved her mom. He loved her mama. What a brilliant plan, though. I oh, I, yeah. uh, I look back at it now, and I'm just like, mm. it's just getting getting Dantos involved. I remember reading the books when we were doing Clash of Kings this past year and finding his scenes and knowing that that, that spans from you know Clash of Kings into A Storm of Swords, where I'm assuming that it's resolved. It must have been a really long, slow burn for the book readers thinking this whole time that he's Florian and he's, you know, this is his honorable thing. I mean, honestly, he's a drunk guy. He's kind of foolish because he's a fool. No pun intended. I knew he couldn't have possibly kept a jewel that was possibly worth beer money to <laughs> through generations of his. That right. was the first. Yeah, that was the first hint. He would have pawned right. that baby and sold well, it. For it a was drink. the it was the hairnet in the book. It correct? was the hairnet in the book. Yeah, I mean, was, same deal though. You know, was that actually? Did it not have magical powers? Because I thought it had magical powers. Well, we were kind of led to believe that there was something super special about it, and that she should always keep it on her person. And I don't know what the book's going to say, so I don't know if I'm really looking for an answer on this. I'm just saying I feel like poor Sir Dantos. You know, after all that time, a lot of us, I thought maybe even a small naive part of me thought that he was really trying to help her after what she did to save his life, but really, it just turns out he was going after the money. Yeah, it was sad. You know, you like to think of him as being an honorable knight, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. He never was. She got to go where she needed to go, though, so that's good. And even though Bran's being captured, Sansa is free. Also, I feel like uh, it's a service that we need to offer to our listeners to tell everyone that the brilliant actress who plays the Queen of Thorns, Diana Rigg, Mm. used to be, in her past, a Bond girl. Yes. And with that comes the looks of a Bond girl, as I'm sure most of you already have assumed and know. Much like the looks of a Bond man, if we could say, just to be fair, correct. We've got Sean Connery, the list goes on. Pierce Brosnan, the girls love him. It never ends. But our good friend Diana Rigg, Lady Olena, the Queen of Thorns, was a Bond girl. And I think it just, in a way, it makes what she said, because I've seen so many pictures. Maybe we'll post one in the show notes of just like showing Queen of Thorns with like a speech bubble talking about, oh, I was good. And then it's got a picture of her and her like, I'm a Bond girl. Which outfit. Bond girl was oh, she? I have no idea. <laughs> on, it was, she's in uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is, I think, the Lazenby one. God, is that the Lazenby Bond? Let me see this. Yeah, so he only lasted one Bond, but uh, this was probably – this is one of the best Bond films. It says that she she played Tracy Bond, James Bond's only wife. So he, oh, snap. So she's the one who he then 
marries, I guess, at the end of the film. Well, she knew how to slay the Bond, is all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> she right, knew how to a... get on Her Majesty's Secret Service, or His Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service. He says something weird at the end of that, like, we'll always have Paris, won't we? Well, you know, I mean, at least it's not one of those other names, like Pussy Galore or Xenia on a top. <laughs> yeah, it could have been really a lot worse. <laughs> she lucked out. Owns to Diana Rigg, for sure. But it set up Marjorie. I mean, she clearly has influence on on her granddaughter and I don't think the Tyrells though are as devious and as evil as the Lannisters. And there was, there was actually an interview with Natalie Dormer where she talks about this and um, you know, how her relationship with Cersei is going to adapt over the course of this season. And she really doesn't see her character or even her family as, as being, you know, as vindictive as Cersei and Tywin and, and, the rest of the Lannisters. She has to now. <laughs> Does it though? I Someone's mean, dead. She, she, can she be more kind of loving and at the same time be seductive towards Tommen and, and use her kindness to get what she wants? Absolutely. I think it's an individual's game. And even though, you know, her family has made some pretty harsh moves recently, I don't think that that's going to affect overall how she performs. And I mean, just seeing her family as sort of a smaller family, they have like all this strife within them. The women don't like the men, <laughs> or maybe it's just Olena doesn't like the men. Um, but you don't think of them as being these huge power players, but then they go and do something like that, which they did with Joffrey and you get little lines, little hints of Marjorie's ambition, like I want to be the queen, which is seasons old at this point. Right. Um, you know, she might you have just... changed that. I mean, she still wants to be queen, but I don't know if you know her lust for power maybe is as great as it once was. I mean, the um... quote from that article, uh, it says it's not a comfortable or pretty scenario for Marjorie to be in at all. But she's not just some cold-hearted, calculating cow that will do anything for power. She's been given an instruction, and they're so deep into the game now, she has to follow through. So we're getting deeper and deeper into the machinations, and it gets more dangerous the further forward she steps. That's a great description of what's happening. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Marjorie versus Cersei is going to be, I, I think, one of the outstanding things to look most forward to. He said to say that the Crasters is, is about to be attacked. And obviously, you know, that's going to take a lot of our attention. Uh, moving forward, I think this, this small plot that I want to see is just how Cersei and yeah. Marjorie vie for power and vie for control over Thomas. I think, yeah, she, she puts it perfectly. She says, you know, when talking about the Tyrells and the Lannisters, she says that the Tyrells are politically savvy, but there's not the darkness to them. Yeah, like Elena's move to murder Joffrey, I realize that's murder. That's as bad as it gets in, in a lot of cases. But it was Joffrey. <laughs> so she, <laughs> yeah. She's kind of pardoned just a little bit, even though she's not. Still murder. Yeah. I just, I'm just i curious to know the relationship now between her and Baelish, because I know that he had everything to do with the Tyrells joining the Lannister cause early on toward Blackwater era. I'm just, right. I don't know anything about how they speak to each other. And uh, today on the site, Thoros, one of our staff writers, put out a nice piece on Peter Baelish, and I gave it a read and, you know, just learned a little bit more about Baelish, just refreshing on some facts and, and, and knowing so much more about this guy. And freshly in your head, you're just like, oh, man, what does he have planned to get to the veil? There's so much happening. Yeah. I mean, in the book, he just disappears for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you don't actually even see him, I think, in book two. And, and you see the Tyrells, which means he did convince Highgarden to join mm -hmm. the Lannisters, but really he just disappears and people kind of think he like ran away. People think he is no longer in the service of the Lannisters because he's gone so long with no word. 
he just kind of shows up at the end and he, you know, having convinced and having done and worked his magic or his words. So he definitely uh, has a lot more going on. I think a lot more planned, especially as you say, with his alliance with uh, the Eerie and Lady Aaron and everyone uh, really <laughs> and everyone. The yeah. fact that he, you can murder the King puts automatically makes you the most powerful man in Westeros. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to, Returning to the Eerie, we saw some shots of Lysa Aaron in the preview uh, for episode five. And oh, nice. We haven't been there. We haven't been there since season one. I haven't one. watched it yet. I mean, that's going to be really cool. Tyrion, you know, the last time we were there was on trial uh, for what happened to Bran. And we really haven't gotten any resolution uh, on that. You know, who sent that person after Bran as well as, you know, I think in some way it'll bring up uh, all the old. Skeletons? Some, some memories of, of John Aaron. I mean, who we started this whole series with way back in the first episode. So there's so. a lot of potential for good, you know, strong, hearty meat in the next <laughs> yeah. several oh, episodes. Yeah. And that's Definitely. what I felt a, a lot about this season is we were going to get a lot of answers. We were going to get a lot of – not that we didn't in seasons past, but I felt like there were a lot of questions that were thrown out there. And I feel that – now we're starting to see things finally materialize, certain storylines come to an end. You know, we can close the book on, on, on knowing who did this or who did that. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun to, to see how it all plays out on the screen. We're like going into a, a very talked about section of what happens in the story, which is what's going on in a storm of swords. And we're pulling parts forward from the other books that are probably some of the cooler parts. Again, this is all guesses. I have no idea. Right. I just all of my book reader friends talk so much about how great the third book is and about how great the flow is from the first to the third, and which which I we've been able to see because we've we've done the first two books on the show. So I can understand how they're set up, set up, boom, and then maybe we're looking at the next two books, set up, set up. Fifth book hasn't come out yet, so it's 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 not even really there. We're not at a point where we can judge whether or not this is the meatiest part of the series. I'd like to think that it's really good, but the parts that we haven't seen yet, the parts that aren't even named, if this ending of the last episode is any hint toward what we have looking forward, it's going to get crazy. And, and the more uh, devious behavior that these characters are – or these actors are allowed to admit – or their characters are allowed to admit that they had their hand in, uh, the more interesting the character becomes both to play and to see. Knowing that Baelish orchestrated this huge deal suddenly makes him interesting again. You know, and he's always been that guy in the background, but really he's taken the forefront. You really want to see what he does next um, now because he's done this. So he's just growing by leaps and bounds. And no word of Varys throughout all of this yet. <laughs> I know. The Varys and the Viper are are both uh, oh, yeah. two, two people that I want to see. And they're both, I guess, called to testify for Tyrion. So hopefully we'll see him in, in other capacities. But at the very least, Tyrion's trial, if it ever does you know, go through and happen, uh, should be a very interesting scene. And I hope maybe it'll appear in the next Cogman episode, which is six. So mm. I, I have a feeling. Maybe. Maybe. I have a feeling that uh, – well, clearly he can handle the content extremely well with these character uh, discussions. Yeah. <laughs> we, we talked about it on Monday, but also another friend of mine said too, like they're just spending more time with these characters, especially in this episode. There's just more minutes devoted to each person um, in you know this season, this episode. 
uh, and everything like that. So it's definitely a good trend. And I think next week, though, hopefully it'll be forced, you know, to to answer some of our questions about brand. Well, to keep it a little bit lighter, I'd say let's let's move on to something that I think is very nice. This is from Dobbs Mia, who wrote on Facebook. She said, loved the zoom out of Pod's smile. Looking forward to Brienne and Pod's journey. Well, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Road Pod. Huh. somebody on Wignet say road pod needs to be a thing someone called him Podrian, i think on the uh, comments well uh marla joe <laughs> kelly like broad uh, broad Mar- marla joe kelly that's good that is good uh it says that uh jamie owned me by making me cry with his sincere kindness to brienne then pod owned this episode with his adorableness i would agree marla mark a dominguez gibson says brienne owned the episode by naming both her sword and the episode yeah as well so she she did get episode naming rights with that and and really that's that's Oathkeeper. ned stark got the first episode up watching the archery and then now brienne gets this episode full i'm so glad that circle. ned's sword because it, it obviously you know we I still don't know where the other half of it went, but at least it went to somebody who did the Stark family some honor. And it'll still be carried forward. She's still alive, and I feel like, you know, who better? There are there are great people, but Brienne's a good person. I'm I'm glad that she does have a piece of his sword. It's true. Well and yeah. We don't know it, what's happening with the other half. We don't. Do I mean we? it went to it went to Joffrey, but then he died. Oh, it so, went to Tommen, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll go to Tommen. Although we haven't seen Tommen being sworn in, and I don't know if that's just a thing that they do in America. <laughs> um but you know, we should see some kind of ceremony, Tom, in on official capacity shortly, I think, because that just that'll be an interesting place for people to get together. And maybe it happened in secret because the Lannisters are in hiding now or whatever. They're just being cautious. But a public ceremony is what I fully expect to see taking place sometime soon. I don't know about you guys. Uh, well, it's only a few short days until we hopefully get some north of the wall answers uh, for our uh, outstanding questions and uh i'm sure there'll be plenty more to happen north of the wall later this series but i for one i'm looking for it very forward to episode five and i'm looking forward to Bronn hopefully breaking Tyrion out of the cell traveling north with him and joining bran and uh jojen and mira and they're so travels glad on. we're no longer worried about Bronn's loyalty <laughs> well if you the listener were as loyal to us as Bronn is to Tyrion. You would be scrolling on our wall over at facebook.com slash game of owns, or you would be tweeting at us at Twitter or no, that's wrong. <laughs> You'd be tweeting at us at game of owns on Twitter. Twitter.com slash game of owns is the link to our feed, or possibly you would feel so loyal as to compose a message to us and email it to us. Contact at game of Are you asking yourself self? Should I spare the time to communicate with a podcast that I know and love like a child of my own? Well, self, maybe you should, because the entire conversation tonight, I'm going to speak in a soft voice like Eric, the entire conversation that you've heard tonight has been fueled by listeners like you who have actually taken this oath. And it's not really an oath, but they just they sent stuff <laughs> to us and they helped us complete our conversation. We're excited because I think Sunday is only like three days away now. So it's just like, <gasps> what will happen? Yes, we don't know. I don't no, know. We don't. What we do know is that some listeners love us. We know that Micah usually at this point in the episode talks about iTunes. Yes, and uh, we did get a bunch of great reviews, and I figured what better day of the week to read this on than on Friday's episode. The first one here comes from Kelsey Ann, exclamation point, uh, who says, I am Game of Owns. <laughs> no, no, you know, not to confuse you, Kelsey, but we are we are 
Game of Bones. Us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're technically a part of us. Yeah. But I don't know that you are. But She's a big part. Kelsey Ann. All right, Kelsey exclamation Ann. Point. Exclamation point. Uh, well, what did she say, Micah? She says, uh, your masters may have told you lies about me, <laughs> or they may have told you nothing. It does not matter. I have nothing to say to them. I speak only to you. First, <laughs> I went to Astapor. Those who were slaves in Astapor now stand behind me, listeners. Next, I went to Yunkai. Those who were slaves in Yunkai now stand behind me, listeners. Three. <laughs> now I come to iTunes. Oh, sorry. Now I have come to iTunes. This podcast is not your enemy. Your enemy is beside you. Your enemy is silent and produces static. Your enemy has nothing for you but chains and suffering and commands. I do yes. not bring you commands. I bring you a choice. And I bring your enemies what they deserve to be drowned out by this podcast. Yes. I'm just clap, Kelsey. Yeah. This just gives me a great idea. People should carry those Beats pills around with them like at school if they're getting bullied and just play goo really loud. Like some kids walking up to them, they're like, Holding it out at them? That's a dumb Boom idea. Box style. Do people still have those? Ghetto blasters? No, I, I was going to ask that question. <laughs> they run on D batteries. It they depends do. on if they still make D batteries. Well, they there do. are mag lights, so they still have D batteries, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, they keep Duracell uh, going with those. Next review comes from Jeff Q, who says, Informative and entertaining. The hosts don't get too bogged down in laughing at each other. Nope, we don't. Except when the occasional meow happens. Yeah, we hate each uh, other's stuff that we say. There is some non-spoilery info from the books to help round out the TV show. Hashtag enter funny hashtag here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Candy Dirt says, My you. own goes to this Game of Thrones podcast for its insightful cast and great sense of humor. Also love that they update twice a week to fill in those lonely gaps between episodes. Yay for a new female cast member, too. We'll be listening. Heart. So that's... Uh, read read the subject. It's the best part. Fantastique. You gotta say it with an accent, man. Fantastique. Fantastique. There you go. Oh, Everyone wow. is happy. Another one here from Applebee's. Question mark. <laughs> Let's say it right. Applebee's. They're not <laughs> sure who they are. Applebee's. Applebee's? They say great podcast for TV show. I just started to listen to your podcast for season four of the show, but these guys do a great podcast regarding the TV series. I am going to go ahead and demand that you keep Kate on as a regular podcaster. Yes. Yes, that's how you say it. Podcaster. That's how you say it. Okay. Uh, or a person. podcast at. Maybe. Or person. <laughs> oh. Uh, she's pretty good so far, and it's probably a great idea to have a female perspective on the show. Yes, we agree with you. We do. Um, so uh, she will be returning. She's just um, making video games. Working on video Playing games. Playing with small dogs. Yep. Very small ones. Meg916 says the podcast that every Game of Thrones fan needs. After hearing many threats for a five-star review, I am complying before something bad happens. Good idea. Uh, I've listened to this podcast since it came out, found out it, uh, about it on Hypable.com, uh, and I love it. Uh, my favorite part are the episodes during the on season, a.k.a. the book chapter reviews. Very insightful and freaking hilarious. I can't get enough. Uh, what I like to call the bonus season, a.k.a. the TV show season, is also awesome. Uh, this is the podcast that all Game of Thrones fans should be listening to. Keep up the good work, everybody. How Stark forever. Hodor. 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 So we do have a couple more reviews uh, that we will uh, read. Uh, on next week's episodes, uh, we do appreciate you sending them in, uh, especially during the as Meg put yes. it, TV show season. Uh, <laughs> it is helpful uh, for other listeners. We do hear from uh, quite a few who are looking for some things to supplement uh, the TV show, and we are those things. So, 
thank you for those reviews. And like I said, we'll read more next week. If you're a new listener and there's been an us-shaped hole in your life up until this point, we gladly embrace you because you are perfect in every way. It is known. It is known. So well, uh, uh, that yeah, go ahead. Zach and I are both trying to wrap up our Friday yeah. episode. <laughs> like, well, I'm just trying to get Eric out of the door. Maybe he should so wrap it up. We look forward to episode five. I can't believe we're going to be halfway through the season the next time. We talk oh, darn it. I was going to say that. That was going to be my big reveal. It's going to open it up. It's a I already shot, planned Eric. to open Monday's episode with, oh huge my God, reveal. we're halfway through. Everything yeah, is ruined still now. open Monday's episode that way. And Matt. Nobody's going to know. Oh, thank you, Micah. It's very kind of you. Is everybody still there? Zach, Eric, you guys have a great weekend, and I will talk to you on Sunday. Thanks, Micah. Peace. Is that it? Is that I, it? I guess. I don't know if you dropped. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> oh, welcome back. Thank uh, you. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Wait. <laughs> no, I, anybody say a closing statement? Because if not, I'm just going to make one yeah, up. What would you say? I, um, I don't remember, but it was... What Micah said. was a great episode i'm sure i don't know because i missed it but i'll be back when we record uh, monday's episode on sunday after game of thrones and i can't wait to see all your owns from episode five of season four